You're listening to My Therapist Thinks, a modern mental health podcast. We're your hosts, Andrea Bozia and Mary Beth Samich. We are licensed therapists with a passion for making therapy accessible, relatable, and relevant to your life. Let's get started. Today, we're getting down to the nitty gritty of what's standing in your way. So what do we mean by that? And I don't want to sugarcoat this because it is such a common sentiment in my office with clients. I mean, even in my personal life. So it's this idea of, I have all these goals, all these things I want to do, this, that, and the other thing, but then months go by or weeks go by and I'm just not achieving them or doing them. And I'm feeling really disappointed in myself. And I heard this once called the knowing doing gap. And I think that's a perfect name for it, right? You know what you want, you know what you're supposed to do to get there, but then you just don't do it. And it's often rooted in these unconscious obstacles that you really need to unpack, which I mean, is why I think therapy is so important because therapists are trained to see the things that you can't see from an outside objective perspective. And in my opinion, I'm kind of like, why wouldn't that be helpful info? Which is probably why I work from the modern perspective of therapy is for everyone, because of course you can benefit. So, you know, why do people not show up in our offices, Andrea? Probably because they're afraid of the feedback that they might get. So I really want to make this a little less intimidating, but still help you tackle what's standing in your way. Yeah, absolutely. Setting aside some time to really pause and ask yourself to reflect um, and to see why your dreams may not be in alignment with your actions, right? Because if you were to ask yourself that, maybe the answer is, I don't know, Mm -hmm. right? I don't know why my dreams aren't in alignment with my actions and that's scary, but I'm continuing the same pattern um, over and over again. So in many ways, you're operating in a really self-sabotaging way. And when you're operating in the self-sabotaging way, it can lead to frustration and disappointment and feeling stuck. And I think that this is where a lot of people kind of start to tune in and be like, hmm, maybe I should go to therapy or Mm -hmm. um, talk to someone about this. Yeah. Or they feel anxious or depressed. And you mentioned self-sabotage. I think that's a perfect definition. Like when your dreams and your actions are not in alignment, when you know what you need to do and you're just not doing it. Right. Well, um, then let's talk a little bit about some signs of self-sabotage because we have to know what we're looking for in order to make a change on those pieces. Uh, So when I think of self-sabotage, one of the first habits that comes into my mind is procrastination. Definitely. Right. So maybe not here or there, we all do it, but a lot, a lot of procrastination that's, you know, typically rooted in avoidance. And, you you know, even perfectionists procrastinate, you know, waiting for this perfect time where everything feels right to do the thing that they've been wanting to do. But ultimately this just leads to perfection paralysis, right? Where we are avoiding doing the thing that will make us feel better or create a change because it just doesn't feel right. 
right? It doesn't feel right to do it yet. Definitely. I mean, you hit the nail on the head. There is no right time. There is no perfect time. The idea of being ready is a total lie. So I agree with you completely. And that is at the basis of procrastination. Another sign of self-sabotage is just repeating unhealthy behaviors to stay comfortable. So what are some examples of this? It might be, you know, you know that you have all these fitness goals, but it's uncomfortable to be at the gym and be working your butt off. And it's much easier to just hang out on the couch and eat popcorn and watch a movie. Or you failed to set boundaries with someone who treats you poorly because you're afraid of coming off as a jerk or um, just being uncomfortable in that sense. Or maybe you're continuing to hang out with an ex that you know isn't good for you, but you know there's someone to like watch Netflix with on the couch and that's comfortable instead of putting yourself out there into and to find a new relationship. So it's the recognition that prioritizing comfort blocks opportunities to meet your your underlying real true goals. Mm, that's good. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. And you know what? I also think, you know, blocks our opportunities is when we give up easily. Mm-hmm. Right. When, you know, something's difficult or we can go back to that thing of like, it doesn't feel right. Or we have the idea that it should be easier. Like it shouldn't be this hard. We might just throw up our hands and be like, yeah, all right. That wasn't for me. <laughs> yeah. Where did this idea come from? Is my question. This idea that growth is supposed to be easy. Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I think it's like um, a wish, right? It's wishful thinking of like, oh yeah, I'm going to do this thing and it's going to go great. And oh, and you know what? I think social media has a thing to do with this too. You're reading my mind. It's like that highlight reel of oh, wow, this is so easy. I just recorded this e-course and it was seamless. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that sounds like so hard and so much work. (laughs) Right, because as the audience, you don't see the hundred different outtakes. Mm -hmm. I mean, even for you and me, right? I mean, trying to get this first episode off the ground, I think we stopped (laughs) recording like four times in our first try because we were like, oh shit, press the wrong button. Oh wait, hold on. Didn't mean to say that. Right. Right. And I would not want any listeners to think that this was seamless and easy, right? Just kind of showing up as our authentic selves. Like, oh yeah, this is a challenge for us too. And it's not exactly comfortable. It's out of our comfort zone and we're learning and, and just accepting that that is how you grow. Right. And I think you're talking to building resilience. And I think when we're functioning from a place of resilience, we naturally will move away from self-sabotage mm-hmm. because we're learning to work through that hardship. We're moving towards acceptance. And that is kind of the opposite of trying to sabotage ourselves. Yeah. And I think really related to this is any negative self-talk that you're perpetuating. We could have easily had some hardship and said, oh, this isn't for us. I'm just not a good podcaster or not a good whatever. you know." And that includes reminding yourselves of any times you failed, focusing on past mistakes. All of this manifests negative energy. And it's almost a self-fulfilling prophecy in a way because then it blocks 
any positive or productive energy when we stay in that kind of self-sabotaging negative talk. And I see so many mindset coaches popping up all over social media, just helping people with exactly this is that negative self-talk and just manifesting a more positive energy. Yeah, definitely. And you know, for all my yogis out there, this idea is really speaking to one's samskaras, right? The our patterns in our subconscious mind that may influence our current behaviors, right? So if we are um, in a pattern of negative thinking, but we're not even in the place to acknowledge that, it's going to be really hard to create a change. Yeah. Right. So we got to think about, uh, we got to break this down a little bit more, right? (laughs) Definitely. Because it reminds me of the idea of, oh, it is what it is, or, you know, it's just always going to be that way. I personally feel really triggered when I hear those phrases because it's based in a limited mindset versus a growth mindset. And I see this personalized to individuals too, when they might say, that's just how I was raised, or that's just how I am. Because that implies a lack of choice and control over yourself, your behaviors, your situation. And my response to that is old ways don't open new doors, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. all the snaps, right? <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, if you want to move into a growth mindset, we can't be saying those phrases. So that goes hand in hand with that negative self-talk and just even recognizing how you use those phrases in your life, because that might even be self like subconscious. Yeah, definitely. So then I think what that brings up is how to then work with your resistance, how to witness it, like acknowledge that there is resistance there that's preventing change. Yeah. It really, I mean, you have to consider what's preventing you from engaging or committing or creating change, even coming to therapy. Like what gets in the way? Is it stigma? Were you raised in a family where you don't talk about what's going on or mental health services are for people with severe mental illness, right? Because that's a big myth. Um, Is it finances? Is it fear of vulnerability or the idea that things aren't bad enough to start these self-growth practices? Because that's a limiting belief too. Definitely. The one I hear a lot is like other people have it a lot worse. Mm Mm-hmm. And you know what? That might be true. There might be someone out there who's having a worse go at it than you, but that doesn't mean that your experience doesn't matter and that it's not time for you to begin reflecting on what's keeping you stuck and what can help you become a better person to live a more joyful and thriving life because it really creates a ripple effect. Yeah. And when clients ask me or say that to me, you know, so-and-so has it worse. I ask them, where did you learn to invalidate your own experience? Mm. Because it's often learned in the family and I'm a big family systems, family dynamic buff, but you receive that message somewhere and that's worth unpacking. Definitely. And I think that whole process of when we keep, you know, talking about unpacking, it requires the willingness to self-reflect that can be really hard to do. Um, And it can even bring up patterns of defensiveness where we might start looking into why we do the things that we do. And then we're like, "Mm, you know what? I don't want to do this anymore. I'm good. I'm fine. (laughs) I don't need to be here. Yeah. 
I don't know about you. I mean, I'm sure you have, but there are times where I do such intense work with a client and we get down to the nitty gritty of like the base of the issue. And then they get there and they're like totally freaked out and say, you know, I don't want to go any further because they're at the kind of precipice of really working through this. And they're like, oh my gosh, I don't want to challenge my own developed status quo. Like I created this behavior for a reason and maybe they're not ready. And there is that defensiveness of changing that pattern. Right. Right. And I think, I mean, you just brought up, maybe they're not ready. And I think that's something that we can honor as well. Like sometimes you might uncover something and perhaps this is in the space or time to tap into that. And, and that's okay. But still valuing the fact that you were able to get to the place where you open that box even for a second. Um, and you know that box is there now, right? We can, we can put it in that compartment. And then when, when the time perhaps, maybe that the time is a little bit, quote, better, you'll be willing to dive into that self-reflection a little bit more and unpacking those distorted thinking patterns and those maladaptive behaviors that are really important to acknowledge and change in order to see larger changes in your life. You know, and that's scary. It requires trusting yourself and leaning into your intuition. You know, you're really showing up for yourself and holding yourself accountable. Yeah. So I think when people are in a place where, or clients are in a place where they are ready to challenge that developed status quo, you know, the question is, how do we do that? And I think habits and routines and rituals are a way that you start to build self-trust with yourself in order to keep promises to yourself and to kick this self-sabotaging cycle. So it, I mean, it helps you practice and identify what's good for you. And then you make decisions in accordance which requires the self-awareness and which requires the building of self-trust. So yes, failing can be scary, right? But what's scarier is waking up years later and realizing that your life is exactly the same. So I always encourage clients to like start creating these habits, routines, and rituals that can start to send them and shift them onto a different path. Yeah. Amazing. Well, because you know, growth and comfort don't often coexist, mm-hmm. right? I I tell my clients very all very early on in therapy that they may feel worse before they feel better. Yes, same. I always tell clients, you know, I'm going to be transparent with you, and I say exactly that. You know, you may feel worse before you feel better. It may feel like you have a therapy hangover after this session and you just go home and sit in a chair and stare at the wall for an hour. And I don't want you to be freaked out if that happens because your brain is working so hard to accommodate the insight um, based on the work that you're doing in here. And it has to create new neural pathways to accommodate that insight. And that's kind of exhausting, right? Maybe you need a nap after this. (laughs) And yeah, so I don't know if your client's have the same experience and come back. I'm sure they do just like, Oh my gosh, like I was exhausted after last session. And so when people think like therapy is frou-frou and it's not work, like I urge them to have this experience. Definitely. Um, a lot of the feedback that I receive also has to do with how they were feeling in their bodies. Like, man, it felt like I ran a marathon and I've never trained to run. Right. Or God, I was, I felt like I was hit by a truck and I'm like, Oh Lord, you know? So, um, (laughs) 
yeah, it can feel rough in the body. We can feel heavy or achy. We can feel different parts of our body waking up perhaps that we didn't notice before. And that's all part of the process of integrating new information, new patterns into our mind-body complex, right? This is a very dynamic relationship between the mind and the body. And oftentimes when the mind suppresses certain things or tries to use avoidance to keep you more comfortable, the body stores those memories, those messages, those feelings. And when we are in a place where we are welcoming them to come to the surface, it might feel like they're overflowing. I love that. Yeah, yeah. So like knowing that that might happen, it's okay. We can put a top back on a box that we open, right? Grounding yourself and knowing that this too shall pass. Even though you might feel a little crummy or tired right now, this information will reintegrate and you can move forward from a healthier place. Yeah, I think what you're hitting on is the somatic experiencing piece of all of this. And so for those who aren't familiar with it, somatic experiencing is refers to how we hold our emotions and experiences within our bodies, within our nervous systems. And I think Andrea beautifully pointed out that often we hold these things for so, so long and in the therapy room is where we feel safe enough to finally unleash or explore some of them. And that's really the power of therapy. And we don't say these things like, oh my gosh, you might go home and have this therapy hangover or feel like you got hit by a truck to scare you. Um, But it's really a gift to yourself to challenge yourself in this way because you eventually come out on the other side if you stick with it and and allow these new neural pathways to form. So I really encourage you to shift your idea of comfort because if you, you know, of course you're going to be uncomfortable at first or there might be some discomfort that comes in this shift, but think about how uncomfortable you'll be if you just keep doing the same thing that's not working for you. So if this resonates with you, let us know what's standing in your way. One of our goals as modern mental health therapists is to make therapy inviting and accessible to you. So share with us what you're struggling with in particular, and maybe it will become one of our next key topics. Thank you for inviting us into your day. We hope you enjoyed the information shared in this episode. As a reminder, this podcast is not a substitute for therapy. We encourage you to reach out to a licensed mental health professional to support you in continued growth. Be sure to subscribe to be the first to know when new episodes launch, to rate and review us on iTunes, and follow us on Instagram at ABC Therapy and at Your Journey Through.